going on, everybody? It's time for another episode of Cats Talk Wednesdays. I try to get my TV muted because it is a gang day Wednesday up in here, TV. We just had one a, a week or so ago, and here we get another one about halfway through the podcast. We get the cats and the doors in Nashville. Well, hopefully the, the shooting isn't going to match the outside temperatures because like everybody in the lower 48 we all got some snow and ice I think that's the craziest thing is like 70 something percent of uh, the lower 48 are experiencing some kind of weather uh, winter weather conditions so that's 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 crazy to me so hopefully everybody's keeping warm I know that the cats traveled to Nashville earlier than usual I think they've been there since maybe Sunday or Monday if I'm not yeah. mistaken uh, uh, just to avoid all the snow and the ice and the ugly stuff. So uh, let's hope the shooting isn't as frigid as the outside. Exactly. And then they're just going to stay down here in Tennessee. They're going to go to Knoxville from Nashville instead of trying to go back to Lexington for Saturday's game here in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, on top of the pandemic, obviously now there are all kinds of weather concerns i know the all a basketball classic in richmond for the high school kids in kentucky here uh got canceled teams could not travel so it's it's a lot you know when before we kind of dive into everything just a reminder that everybody's dealing with a lot right from the pandemic and it's ongoing and all that stuff to to now the weather and you look at what the folks in Texas are putting up with and mm. dealing with and just extend a little bit of grace, right? We're like, we're all going through something right now. Uh, so just be and be careful with yourself as well. So that's my uh, Jerry Springer minute <laughs> as we, we touched on it. Uh, we were on round of shots on Monday, but just uh, just just be good to yourself and to other people because it is, it is crazy out there. It really is. It really is. Especially with Texas not even being prepared for it and then without power that long and it being that cold, is, that is rough for sure. Did y'all get some? Or I know it was, I think, maybe less than planned, but did you get another wave come through there? Uh, not so much snow, but it's snow and ice. Uh, I was kind of iced in for a couple of days. I dug out. I was able to go and check on Mama B. Uh, today, uh, so pretty good. Not not great, but but not but not bad. They finally came through today, uh, the maintenance folks, and they took care of our driveway, um, our parking lot, I should say, the entryways and everything here at my complex. So uh, feeling pretty good ab- about that. Now, Iowa, you know, uh, listeners know I'm looking to make that move, and you know it may be April at this point. Because the weather is absolutely been been ridiculous. This has been the snowiest and coldest winter in Iowa in like 20 years. Hmm. And, you know, when we get a winter weather advisory, you know, in Kentucky and Tennessee, it's five to six inches of snow and some ice. When they issue a winter weather advisory in Iowa, it's a different ballgame, man. It's a different ball game. Uh, I was there last year. That's where I watched the NFC Championship game when my Niners defeated the Green Bay Packers. But 
it's a different kind of cold. Like I can't explain it. You like you you flip it around. Like when you go to the south, like Atlanta and Mississippi and stuff in the summertime, where it's that hot, humid. When you step outside, it just smacks you in the face, kind of mm-hmm. feeling that humidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way the cold is when you go to the upper Midwest. Uh, I just remember getting out. I was like, "Oh, let me get some gas real quick, grab a little something to drink." And it's, the the wind hit me like, "Woo!" I hit, I did my mic on it. I said, <laughs> "And <laughs> so it, it's just different." So look, uh, Northerners, when we see our Southern uh, neighbors have an issue with snow and ice, it's just different, right? Well, they don't know how to drive. They don't. You know, Memphis has got snow, and some of my cousins and their kids haven't seen any kind of snow. Oh, I'm there. I'm sorry about that. Except your cousin got some, and then uh... yeah, in in Memphis, there's snow on Beale Street, and that's rare, right? So of course they don't know how to handle it. They don't have the infrastructure, you know. Uh, when I was in school, you remember uh, you at UK, we got that big snow, maybe 98. I think it was. It was like two feet of snow or something. And it was the first time that UK had actually canceled classes in years. Yeah. And everybody snowed in, couldn't do anything. So I'm hanging out with, uh, with my roommates and everything. I had a roommate from Buffalo, New York. So we're sitting there. He said, hey, we saw on the news that uh, the Euclid Kroger was open. He said, we need to go. I was like, what are you talking about? We, how, how are we going to get there? I was like, and I'm not walking. He said, we're going to drive. So we went, we dug out his little Saturn, you know, those little Saturn cars. We, yeah. we dug it out and, and buddy, we, it was us and some big trucks. And he's like, man, in Buffalo, <laughs> if, if you don't do anything when there's two feet of snow, like you don't do anything for three months. Mm. So it's, it's all about what you're used to right so you know well it's not that cold in texas it's cold like it yeah and what people don't realize the way your buildings are built is just different like i don't think people have that concept of nothing in texas is insulated for the cold right it's just not made for that did you see that ceiling fan in the apartment complex yeah (laughs) ice to death yes and somebody had a picture on there frozen water in their toilet. Come on. Like they 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 don't have the insulation. That's the that's the biggest issue. Now, if you go to Iowa, they add that extra layer of insulation. So if the power goes out, I'm not saying it would be great, but it, you're in better shape than if you're in Texas. Mm-hmm. The same way Miami building codes, you got to have some heavy material to withstand hurricane winds, right? try to build a house in California, look, you've got to drill some studs in the ground because of earthquakes, right? Mm -hmm. So everywhere you go is a little bit different. So I really, and there's a lot of things on social media I don't like, but this tisking of people dealing with stuff like that is just, and even if you were, your, your house is insulated, who can be in, you know, 20 degree weather with no electricity for four days? That's pushing it for everybody. So, not to get on that soapbox, but man, it, it's wild. And real quick too, I mean, I know it's a it's a lot of weather to start the show, but I mean, rightfully so, like you said, when 
90% of the country is, is dealing with it. In in Louisville, because what was the winters like when you were growing up compared to now? Is it less, is it, are the winters different? You know, a lot of places it doesn't snow like it used to, and you sound old when you say that, but is it snow as much now in Louisville the past 10 or 15 years as it did back in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s when you were growing up? I mean, it's about the same, to be honest with you. I, I you know, we, we like to romanticize and look back and like you said, well, back in my day, but when you really think about it, you know, we had the big snowstorm in 98. There was another big one in 94 mm-hmm. that we got hit with. That one, I uh, uh, was was shoveling the driveway because Papa Brown said, okay, shovel this driveway. And I went out and did it. But uh, I, I went in and I applied to Florida State right then. I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I did. I applied to Florida State. I got into Florida State. I didn't go, obviously, but I was like, yeah, yeah I can't. I can't do this. Uh-huh. This, this is, so I, I think when you look back and you think, okay, 98, 94, I think there was another one when I was in middle school. Uh, so, you know, every four or five years, you get a, a kind of a storm that rolls through. And when you look back and you romanticize, it all runs together. Right, and so you think we had snow all the time, and we really did. You know, I, to, to you know, that's that's just my thing. Like, it, you know, it got cold. We got some snow, but it, we weren't Buffalo, New York. I'll put it no, like that. No, uh-uh. absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like I said, we'll be keeping an eye on the game at seven. I got to talk about the Kentucky women's basketball team because flashback. Well, first of all, we had Darren Hedrick on. If, if y'all missed that, go back into the archives and, and listen to that episode. The voice of Kentucky women's basketball and UK baseball. Had a lot of fun talking to him. And follow us on Cats Talk uh, Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter if you're not doing so already. And, of course, you can get the podcast on Anchor and Spotify and various other platforms wherever you get your podcast. And thanks to BS3 Radio Group, we're on Spreaker and other platforms that we've never been on before. So we definitely appreciate that. But the women came to Knoxville, played Tennessee uh, in Knoxville. And you, you got to know that it was probably one that was circled on the calendar. Really. Coach LV having played at Tennessee, Jasmine Massengale transferring from Tennessee, Treasure Hunt and, and Ryan Howard from Tennessee. Um, and I think the... the Kiki McKinney might be from Bearden from Knoxville proper right in the middle of Knoxville so long story short they go to Thompson Bowling and it, it just it just isn't their day you know Tennessee rolls and, and, and it's just uh, a tough bitter loss to Tennessee they have a week off they bounce back um, no I think they anyway they they had a week off after Tennessee. They lost to Ole Miss, lost to Tennessee, had a week off. Got to win. You get a shot at Tennessee at Rupp Arena, and it's nip and tuck through the fourth quarter, 47-46. Tennessee's up, and they close on a 25-9 run, and they return the beatdown favor. You know, they, they avenged the blow at Knoxville and beat them down in Lexington, 71-56. to um, And then... You don't slip up after you beat Tennessee. 
used to handle business against Florida, 88 to 80. Ryan Howard does Ryan Howard things. So nice to see him bounce back and, and just definitely had to, and look, we give love to all the sports anyway, but had to give the women some love uh, after knocking off Tennessee, getting that payback, especially with so many Tennessee ties on the team. And then, you know, it can be easy to maybe let your guard down and, and slip up at Florida. It wouldn't be the first time we've seen that across the board in many sports oh you get a big win and then you 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 kind of cancel out that win by losing to somebody you should beat and they didn't let their guard down against Florida yeah and so the the women's team you know I I I look back and uh think back to when we were in school and you know I hate to get in the way back machine but with uh uh coach coach uh Bernadette uh Bernadette Lock Max. Yeah. And it wasn't until that point that I think Kentucky as an athletic program really started paying attention to women's basketball or basically anything other than men's hoops, right? Not to say that we didn't have teams, not to say we didn't have great players and coaches. That's that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you know, as Cal likes to, to quote all the time, scared money don't make money. Like, you've got to invest to get a return on that investment. So, when we were there, that like I've told you before, I went to see the Shemiko Holdsclaw Tennessee Volunteers, and they, I, I want to say it's 101 that number. It may not be right, but it seems like that was right. And so, you look at the next 20 years or so after that, maybe 15 years, and they've, they've got a team, it, it's okay, right? Coach Mitchell comes along, and now he's elevated the program. They have been, I know there was that dip, but basically over the last decade, a top 25 program, right? And so now we've talked about this in terms of what the football program is doing, but now they're making that next leap, right? Uh, I watched the Tennessee game, uh, the women's uh, Tennessee game, and I want to say that maybe more than half of all the times Kentucky's beat Tennessee has been in the last like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and I know Tennessee has dipped a little bit, uh, you know, since, since Coach Summit uh, left the sidelines, but it's still Tennessee. So, now, instead of just being competitive and happy to be there, the expectation is, like you were saying, you beat Tennessee, you can't have that letdown game, right? That's the difference between a, 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 a very good team and an okay team. Whatever your sport is, right? You get those games that you're supposed to win, the games that are kind of toss-ups that you try to fight to win, Right? And you can't have those letdown games. Those are the games that trip up even the best teams, right? It's always that random, especially in the conference, there's that random Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever your sport is, right? There's that random, you go down to Oxford and it's just, you know, that's what separates the good from the great. Like, I think... Uh, when we talk about on the men's side, those teams that stick out to us, 
obviously 2012, 2015, yada, yada, yada. But what really, to me, made those teams special was they beat every team, right? Like, they, they, they handled business against every team. That's what separates it out. If you are a Kentucky men's basketball player, you're going to get up for Louisville. You're going to get up for Kansas. You're going to get up for North Carolina, right? Like, those are the easy games to get up for. But what separates is the ability to stay focused. You know, uh, look look at 2015, for example. I think there was that double overtime game against Texas A&M where nothing was going right at all. And that was the game freshman Tyler Eulis won the game. I think it was Euless, yeah. and I think Booker hit some shots and, and maybe like Dakari Johnson, right? Well, if you're that deep, you can go to those guys and they can deliver. That's the difference. And you see that all the time. You know, rarely do the big time teams lose at home, but it's always that random game. It's like Duke, when Duke is Duke, <laughs> you know, they always seem to lose at Florida State, right? Or it's always a game at Florida yeah. State. Or North Carolina always escapes Clemson by the skin of their teeth, right? There's, there's just, there's just, it's just random. And if you look, like who the men are playing tonight, and yeah, Vanderbilt <laughs> has always been a bizarrely competitive game. I was looking at some of those games, and uh, back in, uh, I think it was '98, I was looking. Uh, Kentucky was ranked, Vanderbilt wasn't, lost at Vanderbilt, right? You know, there's that Nazi Muhammad yeah. play. That, that, well, that was at 98. I'm trying, no, it was 97 because I was looking up about Ron Mercer. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. The Kentucky was ranked and lost at. But the point is, if Coach Elsey and the program are going to push forward where it looks like they're, they're, they're doing, then you've got to be, you can't have that, those drop off games. Right. It also helps if you have Ryan Howard. Let's be honest. Right. <laughs> you know, like we, we, we talk about, you know, on the men's side, we can talk about roster construction all we want to. But if you've got Anthony Davis, that's a cheat code. Right. You know, even and I know the, you know, the John Wall team didn't win. And, but if you've got John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, you're going to go 31 and three. Right. Like you, like, <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm not saying anything about Coach Cal's X's and O's, but it helps if you've got the Jimmys and Joes, right? Like, if you've got the best player on the court by a wide margin, it helps. You know, friend of the show, Justin Rowland, tweeted out today, you know, what what one thing could Kentucky men's basketball do to kind of get back on track next year? And I'm like, get that dude, right? <laughs> get you an AD, get you a John Wall, Get you a, a Jamal Mashburn. Get that dude. Yo. I don't know recruiting. I don't know how feasible it is. But look, you get that dude and it kind of helps. Because one elite guy in basketball can change everything. Yo. So having Ryan Howard really on the women's side, it it simply changes what you do offensively and defensively. Yeah. And I think it was Josh Moore who, for the hurl leader, which we, you know, friend of the show as well. I think it was him. Maybe it's somebody else, but I, he said I, I think it might 
be safe to say that Ryan Howard is the the 2021 Kentucky Sports Person of the Year. He's already, you know, in. I mean, you know, is that is not that far off base. I mean, she's already been in the voting ever since she's been there. Uh, it wouldn't be a stretch at all for her to win that next year. Because the women, and and I'm not going to be an expert on women's basketball. I'm not. I'm not. But what I'm saying is, it's still feasible that the women can make the final four. It, it you know, now that they're kind of, you know, Howard is getting healthy. Because again, if you've got that one person, that one person can get you a game in the tournament that you probably wouldn't win otherwise. Right, like when you have, and, and, and that's when we talk about. And, and basketball, it's hard. I know baseball has that stat wins above replacement, and I don't know how you would kind of do that on a basketball sense. But it's like we were talking about last week with Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't do anything spectacular at all for Tampa Bay. But what happens is you get that peace of mind. Oh, we've got Tom Brady. Right, like the the receivers know if I do my job, he can at least get me the ball. Right, and so when you've got that person on your team, I don't, you know, I don't think it's one of those things where, you know, uh, as they say on the 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 ESPNs and all that, you know, that that gotcha factor, that kind of stuff, or whatever. But if you know you've got a hoss on your side, hey, I think that I think that counts for something, right? You know, it's 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 Michael Jordan's birthday, and that's the ultimate. Hey, we got this dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Ron, she's making her case, and you know, if she can lead these cats to the final four, um, I, I I think that puts her on the I think that puts her on the map. And and on the flip side, we're talking about women's basketball. Look at U of L's women's team. Yeah. I, I, for for programs that when you and I were in school were kind of afterthoughts, and I say that again, with all due respect, I'm not trying to disparage players and coaches, but from where they were to where they are, I, it's it's nothing short of spectacular. Honestly. I've had, uh, I forget her name, but I, you know, was in Asia. I forget her last name because, you know, Kentucky swimmer, you got Asia Seats. Asia Durr. Yeah, and I had her high on my list last year. I think it was last year. Just, uh, yeah, last year, I think I had her very high on the, in the list for, for voting because, you know, I just kind of throw the rivalry aside. And you just read all of the little bullet points that, you know, Mark Story sends. You you read all that she's done, and you 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 can't be unimpressed. If if you got a pulse, you can't read it and not be impressed with what she's done. Uh, right. You know, the rivalry doesn't mean anything when I'm looking at. It. I'm just like, what's jumping out at me on all these accomplishments from all these people on the paper, and hers stood out like a sore thumb and I was like okay I moved her off the paper to my list of 20 to my list of 10 she's getting voted on so that's just you know and, and low key the women's basketball games 
have been much better than men's when you look at between Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I've always said what keeps the rivalry from being nationally what we know it is locally is number one, Louisville doesn't win enough. I mean, I know they won this year, but once every four years is not going to cut it, right? Yeah. Like that's just not going to do it. That's part of it. The second is the stretch when they didn't play, right? Uh, I've talked all the time. I mean, the the 1980 team, uh, Louisville team with Daryl Griffin. Mm-hmm. You know, the 1978 team with uh, oh, Goose. with Goose Givens, yeah. Uh, Th- those teams didn't play, so yeah. you miss out on that. But the the also the games have not been very good to watch. Like this past game was atrocious. <laughs> like yeah. it was just it was just bad. And I can't think of a game where I would. They don't have very much rewatchability. Probably the only men's game that I have watched on different occasions, the Patrick Sparks game back in 04. Because that was a 16-point comeback and then his free throws at the end. But I'm just generally like, man, I am glad that's over. We won. That's great. (laughs) That's right. And highlights from Rex in 87 with Muhammad Ali there. But, I mean, you're a Louisville fan then, and I was nine and barely really remembering it. But, you know, he – I think Kentucky blew him out. But he breaks out a big game on on that big stage. That one, I, I watched the highlights of that on YouTube. Yeah, more than any other more recent games. Uh, well, I take that back. Probably the the last year, the one that went to overtime. Uh, I think that one oh, yeah. was was, yeah. was was decent. But ordinarily, they're just gross. And you remember stuff like uh, cousins and Swapshire. You know, you remember stuff like that. <laughs> The Chris Jones flop and Tyler Eulis with blood on his eye, but there's there's just not too many plays that stick out. Not like in Duke, Carolina, with Stackhouse, you know, with his dunk and uh, Tyler Hansbrough with a bloody nose. Like it's just not aesthetically pleasing. And most of the time, Willie Willie staring down Montrez, maybe. And that and that's three things from the same game. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to your point. <laughs> <laughs> the only real oh, highlights, man. honestly, uh, Louisville fans like to bring up the dunk that Russ had on uh, Randall during the 2014 uh-huh. regular season game, but I'm like, but you lost, right? <laughs> and then I think he had another dunk like in the tournament, but I'm like, but, but you lost, right? So, but... But even from there's just not a lot of, you know, and Cal's what nine and three, ten and three since he's been here, something like that. But I, I don't remember a lot of winning plays. The one thing that jumps out is Anthony Davis letting everybody know who runs things in the Final Four. Uh-huh. Like there's there's that, right? <laughs> but <laughs> but you know there's no other moment that jumps out. So, but back to the women. Uh, both programs are excellent. I mean, Louisville's women, uh, I'm not sure if they're ranked number one now, but they've been at the top. And it's it, it's a testament to Coach Walls and, 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 and those folks to really embrace women's basketball in both places. 
which I think is a, yeah. is, is a good thing. Um, I, I know that we're bemoaning uh, what the men are doing on the Kentucky side. The Louisville can't stop. This is like their third or fourth COVID shutdown. And so uh, that's that's pretty that's pretty crazy, but when you look at all the other sports, and I know people don't like to do that, but the swimming and diving team is number three in the country. Volleyball is number three, and this is a stat rolling that boggles my mind from our dude Corey Price. The last time Kentucky volleyball lost an SEC road match was November twenty third. 2016 at Tennessee. Mm. That's crazy. The Kentucky volleyball team has won 27 sets in a row. Their most uh, consecutive sets won since 2018 when it was 29. And it's, I tweeted this out, and I it's fair to say probably volleyball is the most dominant team we got on campus. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Bus on everybody right now. I mean, they 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 take a break, they come back, and they beat everybody's brains in. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't. Again, I'm no expert on volleyball. I think like Nebraska's got a real good team, and and Stanford, and and maybe another California school, UCLA, maybe. Uh, but but Kentucky dominated the SEC like they have, as we always say. You win the SEC, you you're, you're in a pretty good spot, right? <laughs> I mean. But you look at volleyball, gymnastics, the softball teams gearing up, ready to roll. Like, it's just, again, I know men's basketball, football drives the conversation. But what Mitch Barnhart has done, and and he's been low-key about it, right? Well, I'm, I'm in Louisville, and I remember when that AD was everywhere. You know, he was out front. But, but... But Mitch has been moving, uh, to quote Little Wayne, been, real G's moving silence like lasagna. And which frustrates me when we get locked into those checkerboards. And I'm like, take a step back and look every, like you cannot go off alumni drive in Lexington and not think that something's going right. Kroger Field is gorgeous. I remember when it wasn't. I could tell everybody the first time I went to cover a game, I was like, this is awesome. Until I went to the meeting room and the carpets held together by duct tape. Yeah. Right? But you look at Alumni Drive now, you've got Kroger Field, you've got Kentucky Farm Field for baseball, you've got the Bell Complex for soccer, and you've got Crop Stadium for softball. Memorial Coliseum looks great. Like, uh, gymnastics, they just beat, was it LSU? But they had virtual, they had virtual daddy-daughter night last Friday. And you know, me, the girls and I, we went to four straight of those. But just looking at the old pictures and just looking at the changes of Memorial Coliseum, the big scoreboard yeah. they got at the one end and, and, and Rupp, even Rupp Arena. You know, we mm-hmm. laugh and just, you know, Big Bertha's gone. Yeah. Those red, dusty, you know, vents at the top gone. You know, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You know, this may be unpopular opinion, but Rupp isn't great. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, the physical space is not great. Yeah. What has made Rupp Arena great has been we've had some pretty good basketball teams, right? 
Like <laughs> that that's what has made Rupp great. It's it's not Fog Allen Fieldhouse. It's not Cameron Indoor. Right? And I'ma say this real quiet. It's not exactly the Yum Center. Okay. Yeah, if I'm no, if no. if I'm keeping it if I'm keeping it one hundred. See, mm-hmm. I'm trying to reach that young demographic. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah, that's, but that's but it. but you look at the facilities and you're thinking, my goodness, you know. And I've never been in. Yes, I have the Boone Tennis Facility, but that's where they've held, you know, SEC championships. Right? SEC championships have taken place at the Lancaster Aquatic Center. Right. So I would assume that, comparatively speaking, those facilities are pretty good. And that's that's the name of the game. Scared money don't make money. Mm-hmm. That's it. So yeah, it's his uh, his list of accomplishments is is you know is it, long. It's <laughs> it's impressive. You know, and look, the AD we talked about it before. Only time you think about them is when they make a hire. You know, and if the hire doesn't work, then oh, you know, if he makes another bad hire, he's probably gonna be gone. That's basically how fans gauge AD. Nobody considers all the other behind the scenes stuff. I mean, uh, nobody looks at it a lot. I mean, they know it goes, oh yeah, fundraising this, that, and the other, blah blah blah. But it's basically, oh, Mitch hired Joker. Uh oh. Oh, Mitch hired Billy. Uh-oh. Well, he did hire Callum Anthony Mitchell. Okay. And, and a track coach hired out. That's basically, do you win and lose the hiring? That's how we judge AD. Right. And, and and here's the thing about Kentucky is, look, you got a bunch of big boosters. Everybody wants to donate to men's basketball, right? Everybody wants a piece of that action. Yep. So what the AD has to do, like what they did with the bell complex is you've got to get and this is going to sound crash but you have to get in the deep pockets of other people for your other sports right that's that's the key is that's how you go from being in the 70s for the director's cup to, to perennially in the top 15 that that's how you make those leaps is again facilities coaches you know, and you know, knock wood, as you like to say, anybody can act a fool anytime. But you know, Kentucky has been relatively scandal-free, relatively issue-free, which has not always been the case. So I think Mitch is doing a good job. Coach Elsey and the women uh, basketballers are doing a fantastic job. Um, and Coach Skinner in volleyball, like I said, probably the last three or four years, the best team on campus. Mm-hmm. I, and and I would, I, you know, I'd get have to get Corey to take a look at. It. I believe their winning percentage would be better than anybody. You know, maybe rifle, but I'm, you know, right. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> contender right now. The only challenger they have to to the uh, campus crown. I would think. Right, right. There, because they've been putting hardware in the trophy case for for years. So. Uh, man, I can't believe we're going like half an hour deep. We haven't really dug in too much to, to men's basketball. Yeah, yeah, we sure had. And, 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 and you know, like I said, it'll be what, 20 minutes now, they'll be tipping off. And like you said, at, at Vanderbilt, 
and historically has been there's some challenges down there. I mean, Match Burning them went down there. And, I think number one and got beat or barely won in '93. Uh, it's just doesn't matter who's coaching and who Vanderbilt has. It's just it's just a weird matchup, like you said. So we'll, we'll see if uh, will the. <laughs> Well, Kentucky get down double digits again tonight. <laughs> it's happened with nine straight games, and Kentucky's won, but <laughs> it's been a it's been a fight every single time. Yeah, and you know, I, I think looking at the Auburn game, uh, you know, these guys they turn the corner. I think a little bit. Um, one of the downsides. Well, let me clarify that. Uh, COVID is, has been terrible for everybody. Let's just okay, but from a sports perspective. One of the downsides is I find myself agreeing with Bill Self and Coach K. And that's never where I want to be in an argument for the most part. But uh, Coach Self was being interviewed. I can't remember who it was now. But basically laid out the challenges that he's had to deal with for with COVID. The COVID protocols. And the shortened uh, like I think people really just shrug off the summer workouts, right? The pickup games, the this, that, and the other, and a lot of the changes they had to make on the fly this season. So you've got young men on campus that are at a disadvantage, right? And I've talked about that before, but Bill Self is going through it. And he also talks about, Yes, other places have had to deal with the same thing. Now, he didn't say these teams by name, but I will. The pressure of playing in Lawrence, Kansas, Lexington, Kentucky, Durham, or Chapel Hill, North Carolina, is different than when you're playing in Spokane, Washington for Gonzaga. It just is. Even when people have you ranked number one in the preseason, the, the, the pressure is just different. And you see Coach K, Coach Cal, Roy Williams, and Bill Self talk about, we're, really all coaches should be talking about, this, but they're talking about the mental aspect of it, right? Because when you struggle under the bright lights of those places, it's just different, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's just a different situation. Um, glare burns a little hotter. It it does, and 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 when people talk about, uh, you know, Coach County to run his program like this person, that person, it just doesn't work. You know, if if Cal went into the tournament number one overall seed and lost to a 16 seed, it would be the apocalypse here. Like Cal would have to go. Well, you know, if he does like Gonzaga, look. Look, I tell people, look at Gonzaga's track record. Look at it. You know, ever since they busted on the scene in the late 90s, at Cinderella's, they've been a solid program. But one Final Four, and and, and, and folks are antsy because it's been a five-tournament drought since Kentucky made a Final Four? Yeah. Is that what you're, is that what you're trading? Look, I, I got into it with somebody because... Um, Oh, I can't think of the college basketball writers. Not Jeff Borzello. It's uh, the guy that always says, this is March. John Rostick. Oh, okay. And he said, you know, Virginia is looking good. Or, you know, this is, we, we know how this story goes. And 
And I quote tweeted and said, yeah, you can either win the championship or you can lose in the first round to a 16 seed. Literally, everything's on the table for Virginia basketball. Literally, everything's on the table. So I agree with Bill Self that when you are struggling in those places, it's just different. It just it just is. And you've got a lot of new players and everything. And so I do think the pressure is a little bit different. I don't, I don't think that's out of bounds to say that. Yo. Because uh, I think Cal's going to be uh, Cal's going to be wearing a towel in honor of John Thompson, National Association of Black Coaches towel. That Coach Thompson's picture on it with his classic towel on his shoulder tonight. Said he meant to bring a black tie in honor of John Chaney, but he didn't bring it. But he will have a John Thompson towel on his shoulder tonight at Vanderbilt. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I saw a lot of coaches doing that. Uh, Dawn Staley, the South Carolina women's coach, had the John had the loose black tie for John Chaney uh, on the other. Day. I believe she had a towel too when uh, South Carolina played uh, uh, Connecticut. Uh, I think last week, so that that's a that's a good thing. But you know, I, I hope that the the I, for them because you know, look, the, the writing's on the wall. Uh, the season is what it is at this point. I just want these guys to have some success. That's 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 really all it is. Um, you know, we talked about this on round of shots. You know, good friend Kevin Hale. You know. Yeah. Oh. Appreciate him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun Monday night. It was. It was. I got a little got a little risque, but I'm, I'm not going to repeat that here. But <laughs> but but his his thing was well, you know, well they almost lost that game against Auburn, and I'm like, well, yeah, but they but they almost won a bunch of others, right? So my whole thing is once Kentucky got to five and nine, I think is what they were at one point. It just stopped mattering because if they won, it was going to be, well, you should have been doing this all along, right? It, it just, the, the story for this season was already written is, is, is what I'm saying. So I just want these guys to have some fun uh, for the light to come on. Uh, BJ Boston, the light has come on. He's been shooting lights out the last couple of games from three. Mm-hmm. He's been finishing mm-hmm. strong and not doing the flippy, dippy stuff. He's see doodles, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> there's finally some cohesiveness. Uh, you know, the 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 one thing when we look at the offensive numbers, and I'm not a, a analytics kind of guy, uh, it helps if you hit shots. Like that's the that's probably the best part of being efficient offensively is you have to hit shots and now they're hitting shots you know uh, I I think it was last year's team that was struggling with the three point shot and I throw the ball to you out on the wing you catch it defender in front of you you pump fake whatever and then you pull up and shoot a three that's a bad three point shot right Mm -hmm. you move the ball from side to side you get some dribble penetration then you kick it back out. Now you've got a little bit of space. That's a better three-point shot, right? So it's the quality of shots are getting better. They're hitting those shots. And I, I just, I think that that is a good 
that's a good sign uh, moving forward. What I don't like when it comes to analytics is, um, and I don't mean to pick on your Houston Rockets, but they were all in on the analytics, right? Layups or threes is all we're going to do. And I, I just, I just don't like it when basketball is played that way because I know you see it all of a sudden now any mid-range shot is a bad shot mm-hmm. and I'm like that's but that's part of basketball like that's how you that's how you can create right that's you've got to be able to score at three layers at the rim mid-range and a three-point shot mm-hmm. because and again, not to pick on your Rockets, but what happens in the playoffs? Game six or seven of a series, the other team has figured out, run you off the three-point line, dare you to get all the way to the rim, and then you can't. Or you have that over 27 night from three, yeah. and then one, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and so we saw that. Uh, that's how the Lakers beat the Rockets in the bubble. We're going to hound Harden, and ain't nobody else going to do nothing. Again, it helps if you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but that was, you know, you can you can negate that a little bit. So call me old-fashioned and not with it, but give me some mid-range game, right? Because if I've got to chase you off the three and, you know, defend you at the rim, okay, that's only two areas. But if you could hit that 10 to 12-foot pull-up, which, if you look at a lot of the NBA players, the, the most effective scores, it's all three levels. Like we talk, we, we look at Steph Curry and his range, you know, and, and his range is whenever he steps inside the gym, but he's got some mid-range game, right? Our man, Emmanuel Quickly, who should be in the running for rookie of the year, because they love him in the Big Apple. That floater is killer. Right, that he's got that floater. He's deep in his bag. That Sidney Moncrief, world be free. Just get in the lane and get it up. You know, that's that's a bad shot per analytics. But if you're hitting it, it's a good shot. So, I see a lot of people crunching these numbers. I just don't think you can base everything on analytics because, and I'll get off this bandwagon again. Not picking on your Rockets, but what did they win with the analytics? I mean, you, you got the late, great Kobe and Tracy McGrady on there with Rachel Nichols. You'll, you'll never, ever win a championship playing that style. Right. Never, ever win a, you know, when they said it again, they, they said it with confidence. <laughs> He's not going to win a title playing that style. And it, and it didn't happen. And, and for all of our love of the A's and the movie Moneyball and all that, what did they win? Yeah, they won some division titles, but you know, at the end of the day, you've got to have some dudes, and you've got to be able to do yeah. some things differently. And and that's the real that's the real that's the real difference. So, uh, again, not to bash on analytics, I think it's 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 made some things better, but when you rely on analytics and analytics only, it's it it's not great. And it's just taking over. You know, 
think our our uh, buddies, the, the KY Sports guys, talk about, it, especially Coach Hurt. He'll, you know, you, everybody's gotten so so infatuated with numbers and, and so smart, where you just take the the fun out of the game and you get too good at it, and you get too smart for your own good at at knowing too much. You know, it's just that you some of the regular stuff that you you know the mid range jumper. Uh, all these shifts and all this it gets too sophisticated and you know it does sound old but the, the mid-range is cool you know you, you, somebody chases you off the three-point line you ball fake step in and shoot that wide open jumper before the big comes out to you ain't nothing wrong with that <laughs> nothing wrong with that right that and that's the that's the and, and our man Bomani Jones goes on is it, you, you're kind of taking that that joy out of it, right? Real, yes. real, real life is not a fantasy football team. Like it's 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 not the, these people are are not a bunch of ones and zeros. And when you come out with these, how we're gonna? It, it's very robotic to me. Mm-hmm. And you've seen guys actually, especially new guys that come to the Rockets or the team like the Rockets, you see them thinking, oh, oh, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to, oh, wait a minute, I can't shoot this shot that I've normally just shot without hesitation my whole life. I got to go to the rim or I got to, you see them actually having to reprogram the way they play in, in the normal rhythm that they've been accustomed to. And, and that's part of the reason that Carmelo didn't work. Part of the reason that Russell Westbrook didn't work among, you know, other things, but it, it's just different, right? It's just you've got to come up with a philosophy I think that gets everybody involved. And when you look at teams that win championships, for the most part in basketball, you look at the offense they're running and it gets everybody involved. Whether it's the triangle, whether it's the pick and roll with Stockton Malone, I know they didn't win, but when you're that kind of effective, uh, I, I think you've got to have something where everybody's engaged. And again, you can attack at all three levels, right? You, you, you get Anthony Davis or LeBron in that mid post, that's tough, right? That's that that's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think if you've got a Kevin Durant that can do literally everything with the basketball with ease, and let's talk about him coming back from his Achilles. Uh, I thought Achilles that used to be a wrap, mm-hmm. but he looks the same, if not better. I mean, he just scores. It's so ridiculously easy. That that's the thing that just boggles my mind about how Kevin Durant plays. He just makes it look easy. Yeah, and he's not even whatever. If there was any um, hesitancy or, or thinking about it, we didn't see it. You know, he went through that in private or something to where. Maybe I shouldn't test it out. We most of the time you can see. Well, until I make a move or try or take a hit or try to push off and you know cut or whatever. Like you said, he just picked right up where he left off. Yeah, 
and he's he's not the spring chicken either. I mean, he's been in the league what twelve years now. Yeah, you know, he's early thirties. He, he, I don't know if he's quite Dominique's age when Dominique ruptured his, but he's you know, Durant ain't twenty four anymore either. But you you couldn't tell by the way he's out there getting it in for the Nets. And do, uh, are they gonna come out the East? They can't they can't guard anybody. You know. They, they can light it up with whenever with anybody, but can can they in the playoffs? Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, whoever it is, can they? And because look, this this is a they're there to win a title. If Steve Nash, rookie coach, fine, whatever. Kevin Durant and them wanted him. That's the guy they wanted. They are this. Their window isn't you know four years from now. They are win the East and beat the Lakers or whoever comes out of the West, will they make it out of the East? Here's the thing about the Eastern Conference. Is there any team that you would bet on to come out of the East? Looking at the rankings right now, and 18 and 10 is leading the conference. And that's not great. But the Sixers, are you confident in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in the playoffs? <laughs> with, with with Doc with Doc Rivers as the coach. <laughs> I mean, you know, Doc Rivers is reaching uh, Chicago Bears Mike Ditka levels of <laughs> pinning everything on one title. <laughs> So the Sixers, the Nets, as you said, they can't stop anybody. And at some point, there's going to be a night where the shots aren't falling. What do you do? You know, the Bucks. um, Are you confident that they've got it? Some of the games I've seen them play, you know, can you win? Is Chris Middleton being your second dude? No shade to Chris Middleton. But I had not heard of that dude until like three years ago. And I'm not saying he's not a a great player. I'm just saying that's not typically where you go find your number two to win a title. Okay. Uh, The Celtics, fourth in the East right now. Are you confident in any of those guys? 14 and 13. Milwaukee's lost four in a row. Philadelphia's lost three in a row. But but for Philly, they got my Rockets coming in town without Christian Wood probably. And you know, unfortunately, it might be a get right game for Philly well, tonight. And the the thing about the Celtics, the Celtics are a more talented version of the the way the Hawks used to be. No elite number one player. But a lot of a lot of really good players, and can you win a championship like that? I I, I don't think you can. I mean, you'd have to go back to. I know a lot of people like to, well, the '04 Pistons, but that's one team twenty years ago, right? That that kind of won things by committee. I, I just don't think that's feasible in the long term. Now, can Tatum be that guy? Yeah, but he ain't there yet. Kim mm-hmm. and Jalen Brown could be a nice number two. Yeah, but they're not there yet. Yeah. Going forward. And yeah. Kimba Walker, 
fantastic player. Uh, as a Kentucky fan, I've seen him up close. But <laughs> if you're not six foot and you're not Isaiah Thomas and you're not, uh, I'm talking about the real Isaiah Thomas now. You know, the first. Yeah, I'm talking about Zeke. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> and you're, or you're not Allen Iverson. Um, is a six foot guard. Ooh, man. I mean, ooh, can, you know, tiny Archibald, maybe the list of dudes getting it done at a high level from that size. It, it ain't long, man. It, it, it is, it's just not Be, being the alpha dude, right? Okay. So, and the Pacers, um, I can't tell you who's on the Pacers. Is that bad? Some bonuses, son. And outside of that, ooh, I think that's all I yeah. got. Yeah. Okay. So there's your Pacers. Dematis Sabonis. That's all I can give. You. The Knicks, fourteen and fifteen. You know, the Knicks getting back in the playoff. Hey, Julius Randle has got to get into the All Star game at the very least. We yeah. look when you talk about. Uh, the numbers he was putting up to put himself on a short list, like the way he's shooting, and I forget the exact amalgam of statistics. The only other dude on the list is Larry Bird during his MVP season. Okay, so like, as we've always said, you can grab any numbers to tell a story, but if you do it, and the only other dude on the list is MVP Larry Bird. The thing about Julius Randle, and I think this is why he kind of gets overlooked, uh, even in Kentucky circles, is nothing about his game is spectacular. Right. The only thing, you know, we talk about what stands out from, from different teams and what, the only thing I really remember, Randall, is that spin move that he always did once yeah. too often in a game. <laughs> but then you look, and he's like 18 and 10 over his Kentucky career. And you're like, how is this dude getting it? Like, he's he's big and strong, but he's not he's not tremendously athletic. You know, he's not a yeah. leaper. He, he he's not going to go over the top of you. How is this dude getting it? And in my mind, he's kind of like Zebo, you know, Zach Randolph two two dot Like, I'm not I'm not yeah. going to go around you, but I got some moves. I'm going to score. Because now Randall's got that three-point shot in his, in his arsenal. So again, nothing really sexy, but you look at the, the stat line, you're like, my goodness. Like, I knew he was scoring, but, you know, he's 20-10. He's hitting some triple-doubles. Like, that's the one dude that, was, that I think gets forgotten about a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, Zevo and... Anthony Mason. I mean, he's taller than Anthony Mason. I mean, and all of them have to be left hand. Happen to be left. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Mace. Mace uh, was. I don't know. Was was Mace? I don't know if athletic is the word. More agile than Randall. I mean, to be as big and wide as he was, I mean, he was point forward for the Knicks. He, he you know, he, he was he's bringing it up and handling. He can it. handle the rock. Uh, I mean, obviously going against another forward. With Anthony Mason, it was his footwork. Like, and yeah. and, and and for him, he had that Rodman like uh, when he would rebound, it was the second jump. Like uh, you look at a lot of what Dennis Rodman did way back in the day, 
The first jump was just to get his hand on the ball. The second jump was to go get the ball. And those guys could get up and down twice while another person just did it once. That was that was a difference. And I don't think, again, I don't think Randall's got that kind of explosiveness, but he but he's got right. that elusiveness. And now he's got a three-point shot. He's a very, very tough guard. So, you know, I'd love to see the Knicks in the playoffs. You know, they're a sixth seed mm-hmm. right now. Uh, I love Randall is setting the pick for IQ, who's throwing a lob to Nerlens Noel. Let's get it, baby. Let's get it. And then yeah. Kevin Knox is out mm-hmm. there. And uh, Randy at Big Blue Express, he, he tweeted out a bunch of exclamation points. It was Knox and Randall and Noel and, and, and quickly all out there for the Knicks at the same time. I love it, baby. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Because he is just, he's full on just becoming a Knicks fan this past yeah, he got, months. Yeah, he, he, he got a quickly jersey. <laughs> I ain't got a Knicks jersey. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I said, you got me. Uh, but then you look yeah. at the Raptors. Um, I know that Fred Van Vliet had a pretty good game the other day. I, I think he went close to 50. Uh, but yeah, 54, I think. But mm-hmm. the Raptors are like they were without, uh, you know, before Kawhi Leonard. They just they don't have a dude. And I, I don't yeah. think that Pascal Siakam is it Pascal? Uh-huh. Pascal, Pascal, yeah, Pascal yeah. Siakam uh-huh. uh, and Kyle Lowry. At this point, those uh, those charges catch up with you. You know, there was a there was a quote uh, I saw by Kobe. Somebody asked him why he didn't take charges, and he talked about you know you look at Scottie Pippen and his bad back. And he he round off a bunch of dudes who took a lot of charges. They ended up with a bad back, and he's like, I ain't taking a charge, right? That, that, that's a business decision. So I I don't know if the Rock or, I'm sorry if the Raptors can get back in it. The Hornets, I'm glad to see them doing well. They're the eighth seed right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it because it finally looks like Malik Monk. I know he had that big night, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But I'd love to see him and PJ Washington get it going. Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, Nick Richards is still down there. He ain't playing a lot. Yeah. But he's there. And, 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 and PJ Washington and all those. So I'd like to see the, the, the Hornets do it. The Bulls are intriguing. The, the Bulls are an intriguing franchise because I can't think, and I was trying to rattle my brain on this when I saw that the Bulls weren't hot garbage. Is there another franchise in any pro sport that might have had the GOAT in that sport but really done nothing before or since? You know, the Patriots went to a Super Bowl before Tom Brady, right? So, um, and I'm like, because if you take away the 90s from the Bulls, they are a hot garbage franchise. (laughs) Like, whatever they need to give to Michael Jordan for his birthday, give it to him. Because, you know, and I know Derrick Rose and the injury and all that kind of stuff, but still, I, I, I couldn't think. I, 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 yeah. Ooh. There we go. Had this leave while Vanderbilt sent on the donut. Uh, 
Browns because you know the, the Browns had all those titles before the Super Bowl era yes. with Jim Brown and, and all that. Uh, if the Ooh. I mean, and, and, and to be clear, no franchise has 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 done more damage than the Detroit Lions. I mean, do you know how bad you got to be for two of the all-time greats to walk away? I know yeah. we'll touch on the the uh, NFL uh, Hall of Fame inductions because those videos get me every time. Yeah. When, ooh, when, when ooh. old dude shows ooh, up ooh. and David Baker, look at Brandon Boston right off the bat. First three. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this, but, but the bull is like, they've been a poverty franchise except for Michael Jordan. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the heat, uh, look, the heat, I think they went into the bubble as a four seed or a five seed. So they weren't great, great, but I, I think Jimmy Butler being your number one, we, we're, we're actually seeing there's a ceiling to that. Uh-huh. And I'm not knocking what he did because he was game five in the finals. Mm. Big face coffee, though. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> when you're talking finals performance, I mean, Jimmy, but, but he gave you everything he had. And they have anything for game yeah. six, but you, you can't do that over a long season, right? So I think the Heat are coming back to earth a little bit, but those are your top 10. And, and is there a play? How does the play in work? I know, is it the 10 plays the nine? What's, I think there's something different. Is that for this year too? I thought that was just if, for the bubble. Oh. Uh, was it okay? I, I thought the bubble had a weird play in because they had those warm up games. I honestly, I don't know. I thought it was just going to be a straight up. But anyway, that's ten teams in the East, and I don't feel confident about any of them going to the finals. You know, you know, somebody's got to, and it may very well be the Nets because Kevin Durant is unbelievably better. But if you don't play any defense, I don't see how that lasts long term. Now, if you look at the West, the Jazz have won like 19 out of 20. The Jazz are on a tape. Yeah, yeah, can, yeah. And I, well, and I, I was, you know, I don't care for the Lakers. I don't care for the Jazz either. Your your, your boy Vernon Maxwell never cares. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Every it's like every time he tweets something, it's him just just and to, to use the vernacular, he is pooping on Salt Lake City and the Utah Jazz. Like he's just one of my favorite all-time tweets was you know, he said, I wouldn't have said something if I knew they had the internet in in Utah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> and, and that interview you had with Bomani Jones was fantastic. Mad Max is the dude. Oh but my God. I listened to it twice. I had to go back and play it again. But, oh yeah, but the Jazz. Okay, I I I don't know because right now my my Lakers are are, are two. Uh, AD's got his Achilles. They're gonna rest him for a while, so uh, I'm okay with resting AD. Obviously, like he's your he's he's our long term dude, right? Uh, my word of advice to LeBron would be, hey hey, we don't need all these games. 
right? If, you know, because they had a lot of games that were overtime, back to back to back. And I'm like, LeBron, man, you got to, I know you're superhuman, but you got to save a little bit. You know, what we're looking for is June, July, not, not, not right now. Um, but the Clippers are quietly 21 and 8. Mm-hmm. But again, do you trust mm-hmm. way off peak? Do you, I, that, <laughs> right. That's that's right. that's the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, the Trailblazers, and let me just say this about the Trailblazers: I don't think there's been a more consistent franchise over the last thirty years in the NBA. It seems like they're always in the playoffs, but they're always a piece away. Like Dame can have Dame time, but for them to win, he's got to give you Dame time four times in a series, and that's, you know, I don't think he can do that. No. But, but you look at like you know the 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 Drexler Trailblazers, you know, two trips to the finals. Uh, it doesn't, you know, you know, you you go against the the Pistons one time and Jordan the Bulls the next, but still, but the the they always seem to be in it. You know, you look at the 2000 season, and if they don't melt down in Game Seven, who knows what happens with the Trailblazers in, in 2000? Mm-hmm. The Trailblazers had a squad, <laughs> and they—they they probably would have won a title. Ta- yeah, they could yeah. just close it all out. They probably they, win they a probably title. They win because because the, the, in 2000 that was the pa- uh, the Pacers, like you know. <laughs> Scotty Pippen has seven, and now we're talking about him. Right, differently. right. Uh, I think this is from NBA.com. Let me because y'all November seventeenth, twenty twenty is you know talks about the seventy-two game regular season and all that, and then at the conclusion of the regular season, the team with the seventh highest winning percentage in each conference will host the eighth seed for a play-in game. The winner of the 7-8 game is the seventh seed. The loser of the 9-10 game will play the eighth seed to see who gets the eighth seed. And that is this year. Okay. So they got all kind of, all kind of, the seven will play the eight to see who gets to be the seven. And then the nine and the 10 plays where it wins the 9-10 plays a loser of the seven eight and then that's the eight okay I, 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 I show you how out of touch i am <laughs> i didn't i didn't i didn't realize all that was going on but <laughs> yeah man so the heat of the 10 right now it'd be raptors hornets the winner is, as of today in the east winners of raptors hornets whoever wins that's the seven then Heat and Bulls play the loser of Raptors Hornets, and that gets to be the. <laughs> and, I don't know if that's every year. Yeah, and, and honestly, it is this year. here here's the thing. Um, when it comes to all these kind of stuff, I like <laughs> I, I like I like rooting for teams near the top. Okay, let me say it like that, because. I would much rather, this is going to be a hot take, I would much rather Kentucky basketball have a season like this than go back to 08, 09, where we're watching the selection show and not wondering and, and, and not knowing what's going on, right? That sucks. 
at least when Selection Sunday rolls around a couple of weeks, I'm going to find something else to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, to be honest with you, because it sucks. Because I don't want to first in, first out. I don't care. I don't want to know about that. When it comes to Kentucky basketball, I know we're going to be in the tournament. I don't worry about that. When it comes to my Niners, I don't want to get caught in this. You know how they do at the end of every uh, football season where they go tiebreakers. You know, Dallas gets in if Green Bay loses and if Minnesota ties. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, but it's like, oh, I don't care. I don't care about all that stuff. You know, just. <laughs> and for, for me, for me, it always shows division winners, wild card, and then in the hunt. That's where Dallas has been for years. And it always starts <laughs> on Thanksgiving Day. They start breaking those down. That's right when you get all and, the and, and scenarios not, look, coming for you. I, I, your, your experience of what I'm saying first hand, that is no way to be a sports fan. Either let me be out and be happy when the season's over, or let me at least know, hey, we're going to be in the playoffs, right? Like, that. that's that's my thing, mm-hmm. is uh, a couple years ago, and I know that you were going to do it last year to go to Cal's house. Uh, we're just waiting around to see where they're going to go, right? It There's no... Are they going to make it? That would be nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine going to Cal's house with the team and them not hearing their name get called. That would be absolutely miserable. I don't want to do that. Because, oh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a fan first. So I'm going to be just disappointed. Like, I can't separate myself out being you know, a fan and, and and trying to be a media person, that that would break. That would hurt my feelings. The right. worst feeling I ever had covering mm-hmm. Kentucky is when they lost to uh, Kansas State. Back what was that? 18, 19, 18, 19, 18. Mm-hmm. Yes, I went in that yeah, locker room, and them boys was crying and, and Shay Gildas Alexander. You know, I'm so sorry. Let the team down. I wanted to go give them a hug, dude. Like, yeah, I was like, and I told Tina, I told Tina Cox, like, I ain't doing this again. I'm never going in a losing Kentucky locker room. Never going in. I don't care what it is. If it's Coach Skinner's volleyball team, if it's uh, uh, Coach Lawson's softball, I, I'm never doing that. Nobody. No. But, I, you know, I don't like all this uh well, you know, if this and this and this happens, I don't want it. I don't want it. Like, I want this team to win, but I don't want them to play themselves onto a bubble. That's not, that's not good for my health. It, it you know, and I, so it's, I know it sounds like I'm rooting for them to lose, but man, let's say they win out. And, and, and like we talked about last week, there's nobody uh-huh. in the SEC that I'm scared to play. I mean, we, yeah, we've lost some games, but outside of the Alabama game, they've all been close games. I'm, I, I, I'm going to quote this wrong, but of like nine losses, only been separated by like 27 points total. Which is, which is, which is, yeah, that's that that is absolute. Yeah. Three one loss, run three one point losses this season, and and our man Corey Price like, yeah, that ain't happened since like. The, the 20s or 30s or something. And I, so, 
let's say they get it going against Vanderbilt, which I believe. Let me check the score here. I don't have it. Let me. Oh yeah, rolling man. So That's keep it going. Keep it going. Uh, you know, because I think if they get some more regular season wins, you get that win against Tennessee. I think they got the return game against Florida. Uh, you go to the SEC tournament, which, I, look, I don't think they should have the SEC tournament. I don't think they should have any conference tournament. Not this year. Because you see where Gonzaga and somebody else, they're pulling out of their conference tournament. So if you, if you. Yeah. 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 Uh-oh. Yeah. BYU. So my thing is number one, conference tournaments, again, this is probably being ridiculous. What what is the benefit to the conference tournament? Other other I mean other Yeah, for the teams, nothing. You know, people get mad at it's 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 for money. It's for money. That's but that's what I'm saying is because this is what ends up happening, right? Some mid-major team or some major team who's been flirting around 500 all season gets hot, wins the conference tournament, and that knocks some mid-major team off, right? That's what that's what usually happens. You're you're taking a bit away for what? Like I don't want to see a 500 team get into the tournament. Or, you know, somebody with a losing record. We see that all the time. Some team with a losing record wins, you know, the MEAC or the MAAC, you know, some some <laughs> 9 and 19 Iona team gets in when they've taken a bid from somebody else. What? How is that making things better? And, you know, there was a stretch that... Uh, but I want to say the 98 Kentucky team was for the longest time the last major conference postseason tournament winner to win a championship. You know? Well, when the 98 team won the SEC tournament, they were the last champion to actually mm-hmm. win the NCAA championship. Yeah, yeah. There was a long stretch where they were the last one. Because, you know, that... Wow. Yeah, there was a stretch, you know, Duke, for as good as they were, you know, you know, Kansas was forever stumbling in the uh, Big 12 tournament when they were on their runs. I mean, I, I you know, I know yeah. Gonzaga didn't win a championship, but they're always winning whatever that conference is out there. But look, 96 didn't win. That's the one game... And I don't even think that's a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. I believe Rick Pitino threw that game. That may be something you might want to talk about on the Believe in Kentucky podcast with you do, Tony Bell. I will go to my grave because you look at the box score and Antoine Walker didn't play in the second half. And you can't convince me that if you were legitimately trying to win, yeah. you don't play Antoine Walker. <laughs> like, I just... Okay. But you're like, you know, even 2012, right? The the 2012 team. 
Right. Right. Well, so you so you can't convince me that <laughs> it, it, it portends anything. Because that's another game, that's another potential mm-hmm. for injury. And the way the SEC is, a lot of the, you know, if your championship game is on that Sunday, you're at a distinct disadvantage for rest. Because if you play on Sunday, right, you've got to travel back home. And then you could very well play on Wednesday. I'm sorry, on, on Thursday, because it's Thursday, Friday. You know, it's that extra day that you're missing. Yeah. So you could very well, if you're not a number mm-hmm. one or number two seed, you could very well play your SEC championship game on Sunday, and then tip off. You know, you know Thursday. You know, and then someone else mm-hmm. has been off for that extra day. I, I think, I just don't see the benefit into it. Now, that being said, Big Blue Nation shows up in Nashville, right? Like that is, I, and, I, and I get that aspect no. of it. A lot of people plan their vacations around the SEC tournament. Like that is the thing. Like when I covered it, I guess a couple years ago, um, <laughs> and this is going to bite me in the butt too if Kentucky ends up playing one of those early round games. Is you know, I tell the story. I went to go get my ID and media stuff, and I'm asking people on the sh- media shuttle, I'm like, hey, you know, where do you get this stuff? And I want to say it was an Auburn guy. I was like, oh, you must cover Kentucky. You guys never get here until Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> like, or Friday. You all, yeah, you all never get here until Friday. Right? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Because it, it, it used to be a thing sure if you went, you had to cover all the games. And I'm like, I am not going to Nashville or Atlanta to watch Ole Miss versus LSU on a Wednesday night. That sounds terrible. <laughs> South Carolina versus Georgia. No, thank you. <laughs> yes. At 14 11. At 14, I don't 11, want any part of that, man. 13, you don't want parts of that? <laughs> Oh man, I got a sweet look. I'm I done went in here though. Well, we got the TV. I usually go in the office, but yeah, I'm sitting here peeping at it. Uh, you know, we talked about the corner being turned. So far, that's continued. Uh, this Vanderbilt double-digit lead—they're gonna have to do some work. If they want to do that again in this game, as as the way it currently stands. Oh, I got to switch it up, though. And I'm sure you saw it. The young man that covered the NFL, Therese Taylor, uh, for Yahoo. He covered the Chiefs for a long time. Passed away at 37. And you just, you know, just hate to see when anybody passed away. And I, uh... You know, we can, we've had so many great guests on here. You know, we finally got the John Dixon on that covers the Chiefs uh, for SB Nation. I sent an email to Therese back when I was trying to get somebody just to give us that Kansas City vibe. And I knew it was a big swing because this dude is huge. I mean, he's on all the national shows. He's doing this, he's doing that. 
but maybe he saw our little email, maybe he didn't. And just hate to see that he passed away. Um, and it just just hit you real hard. The fact that I was like, man, I tried to reach out to him to have him come on. It didn't happen. But just just feel terrible for his family to be that young and, and see him pass away suddenly like that. So I just just had to say a little something. You know, even though he didn't come on, maybe never even saw our little email. But uh, yeah, you know, to his family. again, kind of what I said at the jump, man. Uh, we we gotta we gotta be a little bit more giving. You know, we got to be a little bit more giving uh, with each other because you don't know, right? Wow, wow. Uh-huh. You're exactly right. Keon would have picked the block. But yeah, this is perspective, man. Everybody gets all been out of shape over something. And then if you take a second and think of, well, what would, what would stuff be like if this happened? Well, there's somebody that's going through something like that because that happened or this that happened and you just it stops you in your tracks and makes you not be so being out of shape or be so short tempered with people and yeah and but because uh for for me you know my family we know about losing folks young my oldest brother was 40 my middle brother was 39 when they passed away almost 20 years ago well more than 20 years ago actually and so that has really changed my impact uh my outlook i should say on life because i know this and basically the stuff we worry about we spend all this time worrying and preparing but that's not the stuff that catches you it's those it's those calls on a random tuesday that will that will change your world so I try to let folks know, friends and family, that I care about them. I check in with you. I'm trying to do better about that. You know, not just about show stuff, but uh, you know, I'm trying to trying to do better with that because when it's all said and done, all we have is each other, right? That that's the thing is when your your time is up. It ain't about your stuff. It ain't about you know. Uh, what awards you won? It 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 it, it, it honestly it right. it isn't about that kind of stuff at all. It's what kind of memories have you left? So, man, we got we got we got a little philosophical on the toward the back end, <laughs> toward the back end. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But uh, yeah, so. You know, lighting back up, yeah. We, you know, we, we, we touch on all kinds of different stuff anyway, but yeah, so you're exactly right. Um, what you, I can't say you're rooting against it, but it, you know, if, if Kentucky keeps playing like this, you, you know, you it's, might be in that weird situation <laughs> that you don't want to be in come Selection Sunday. This is, you know, maybe they've turned the corner and, and you, you might might not be good for your health if if this continues you know they're in nashville hard place to play and they're they're landing wood right now and vanderbilt is not great but we saw what vanderbilt did in lexington and it was it was all kentucky could do to win that one 
and right now it's it's 25 to 10 or whatever it is. Kentucky just just wearing them out. Uh, if they this this Auburn win is carried over so far. Now if we if we carry this from Nashville, if this continues, if we carry it on the Knoxville Saturday. One down there last year, you know, when it's it's hard to win there, but they did win last year in Knoxville. You know, you might. You might well it, and, it and if it happens, I'll take it. But I'm just saying, saying my brother my brothers is <laughs> to not be sweated out on Sunday. That's no way to live, man. That is no way to live. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So twenty-five to twelve. Cats up with seven minutes and change left in the first half. Man, we gotta talk about, you know. You know, flipping to, to football, we got to talk about a, a former cat, Wesley Woodyard. How about him saving lives and being a hero with with the wreck that he came upon? That, that, that was a great story. It, in there. It, How about that? Uh, it 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 kind of it's it like I said, it's a great story. I'm glad that he's that he's representing. Well, you know himself and his family, but he's you know he's a former cat doing stuff, and I, and I think that's a, a great thing. But that was a heck of a, a heck of a story uh, for him to do that. Mm-hmm. Just to you know, be there, be at the right time, and, and get the father. And he says, "My son's in there. Go back and, and get the son." That is unbelievable. You know, talk about perspective. You know when you rush to do whatever and then next thing you know you, your car flipped over and then you know you, stuff can change for you so quick but so glad that, that Weston was there in the right spot at the right time yeah. able to yeah. be a helping so, hand when they needed it as I kind of alluded to earlier uh, the Hall of Fame class got announced and uh, mm-hmm. you know you're getting old when you can remember a Hall of Fame player's entire career Collegiate. I, I would say that um, Peyton Manning's probably going to get the headlines, right? Uh, Peyton Manning's going in, but how it Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson going in at the same time? I would, you know, I would watch the hell out of a documentary <laughs> on the two of them being kind of joint, right? Because I remember that you know ninety seven. That was going to be mm-hmm. Peyton Manning's coronation. Like that was going to be his. You know, he he had come back. He was coming back to win a championship, and he was coming back to win the Heisman. And I remember that season, and I kept saying to myself, "It's Peyton Manning's because he was putting up video game numbers." And. The only real other person was mm-hmm. Ryan Leaf, but I'm like, you know, he's putting up because that was when the Pac-10 at the time they really didn't play any defense, right? So, you know, they was four or five wide all the time. It was a it was a video <laughs> game, but I'm like, man, Peyton Manning, he's putting up these numbers, and Charles Woodson, I think it was like mid-season, maybe against Michigan State. He had that punt return or something. And then it started being like, okay. You know, he started making some plays on offense and, and, and returning kicks. And you're like, okay. 
And I was still shocked that Woodson actually won. I, I'm still shocked he won the Heisman. Uh, last defensive player for 40, you know, the only one in 40 years. Uh, but looking at the guys going in, Peyton Manning, I, I, I don't think we need to. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, right? We kind of knew he was going in, you know, in 2002. Uh, Charles Woodson, who really had a very solid career. You know, even as he stopped being the lockdown corner guy, he was still playing very, very good defense for uh, for the Packers. Um, the the another name that jumps out, Calvin Johnson. We talked about Detroit and their and, and, and wasting, mm-hmm. you know, a top five running back. I would say top two uh, running back in Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, who top 10, mm-hmm. I, I think would be fair. You know, I don't know how you, uh, however you want to rank them, but Calvin Johnson was legitimately a problem. Was just, I, I would mm-hmm. say, even when you look at like a Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, I don't think we've seen a more physically gifted wide receiver. Right, right. Like yeah. he, like Raw, Moss would go up, he would moss you, he would jump kind of over you and, and, and wow you that way. Megatron would just go get the ball. And the one thing all the time mm-hmm. watching Calvin Johnson play is you know when the ball kind of hits the receivers in the hands and the, the, the defense back comes and swipes down like I never remember him losing a, a pass like that like once he got his hands on it you could tomahawk chop his arms all day long like that that was still a catch and so mm-hmm. I, I just think it's physically gifted as the receivers we've ever seen now we may have some new listeners that may know I'm a Jerry Rice guy, okay? But you have never heard me talk about Jerry being physically superior to anybody. He was never the fastest. He did not have the necessarily the best hands. He wasn't going to outleap everybody. And that to me makes him, that's what makes him even more special and more unique in my mind. But also with Calvin Johnson, I think what we're starting to see a little bit, he's getting that Gale Sayers treatment where he didn't play a long, long time, but what you saw was undeniable. And and when we think of and, and, and you know, it's still a pretty short list of guys that didn't do it for very long. There's Gale Sayers, obviously, Terrell Davis. I think he gets that push from, you know, the Super Bowls, back-to-back mm-hmm. Super Bowls. But he wasn't great for a long, long time. And then there's Calvin Johnson. You know, you look at those three and their career numbers, they don't jump out at you. But if you watch Calvin Johnson, you knew that dude was special. You know. Um, And you, you look at the, the <laughs> when he got the knock from, you know, the Hall of Fame and, and uh, David Baker, which, you know, we always think Buzz Baker, but David Baker, the president, who I just, 
I can't get over how big that man is every time he's on TV. But Calvin Johnson's looking him dead in the eye. You know? <laughs> that's, that's how big Calvin is. He's, I mean, he's looking, he's looking the president right in his eye. You know, so that lets you know what a, I mean. Yeah. So you got you got that aspect of it. Uh, Alan Fanica is going in. I'm not going to pretend to to know an offensive lineman, but uh, you know my memory of of him is he's going back a little bit. To, he's still part of the of the uh, John Madden, the boom boom guy. Like John Madden would always be a good one to highlight what an offensive lineman is doing. So uh, you know I'm glad that he's getting in. Uh, Tom Flores, coach the Raiders. Uh, you know he, you know he, he was a he was a uh, a pioneer, a, a, a non-white head coach winning the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and for all of Al Davis's eccentricities, yep. and I still need to catch that thirty for thirty. Uh, Al Davis and the Raiders led the way on a lot of stuff, like they they weren't just Raiders on their helmets, but Al Davis yep. and the Raiders. Of just that, it was, they built Al Davis built the whole Raiders mindset, right? We're silver and black. You know, there's nothing really flashy about their uniforms, but you know, when you and I were growing up, you got one of them starter jackets with the Raiders. Woo! That was, you know, that was that was something, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, the whole we're going to throw the ball deep and we're going to run the ball, and that's what the Raiders did for 40 years. You know that was their whole their whole thing, and Tom Flores was was part of that. Oh, and I mean, you, you think about the Raiders, and this is what stinks about the Raiders being terrible right now. The Raiders are are really the premier. What I wouldn't say premier. Let me say you put them on that short list of franchises that really matter. Look at what the Raiders did for the NFL, mm-hmm. because. You look at Al Davis, I believe he was commissioner of the AFL before the, before the merger. He coached the Raiders. That's the thing that blows my mind. He coached the Raiders and worked his way up to be an owner. Like that, has that, I don't know. There's a story there that I need to do some research on, which is why I need to watch it. But there's the Al Davis. There's John Madden. You know, is John Madden John Madden without being at the Raiders. And the Raiders were always just cool. You, know, you, you, you look at, you know, even the Howie Long and Marcus Al and, and then Bo Jackson. Oh, how cool was Bo? Like they, the Raiders were always just cool, man. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I used to like Lyle Alzado. Yeah. Shit. And, you know, when you go back to Cliff Branch, he was nasty. Those he was guys, cool, the Raiders were always in the mix. <laughs> and, you know, the, the tuck rule game just derailed that franchise. Like, it just, it ha- the Raiders have not been functionally the same since. So, but Tom Flory's getting in. I think that that's fantastic. Uh, John Lynch, who, I know he's my GM, but I think he's a very good player that's getting a Super Bowl push. I, I I don't want to disparage anybody, but 
you, this is a situation you get in a little bit where you can do things because you're surrounded by so many other good players if that makes sense like you look at that Tampa Bay team and you got Derek Brooks you got Warren Sapp and you got some other all pros mm-hmm. there's plays made that are there for you to be made right and when I right yeah. right and you got to shut down corner. so Rondé and- when I and I'm, I'm no X's nose kind of break down everything kind of person when I think of safeties in that era for me it's it's Ed Reed and Troy Palomalo those are the two and I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't put John Lynch up there that's just me personally but I'm glad he's in you know, good, good, good for him. But, but I just think sometimes our mm-hmm. point of view gets slanted a little bit, and maybe some guys get in that, you know. And, I, and again, I don't want to be negative, Nancy, and kind of, you know, crap on a guy's career. But I think you have to look at the totality of things. And he's not alone. If you go look at who's in and who's out of the Hall of Fame, it's Super Bowl winners. Right, and unless you are Calvin Johnson and yeah. uh, and Barry Sanders, the Super Bowl winners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's that was too literal when it happened, but so many of my Cowboys aren't in there for those two that they lost to the Steelers by four points and look how many Steelers are in there probably based on those two games how it could have swung and Lynch I mean he he was he still played when you could you know level people pre-targeting like I said still not up there with the Reeds and the Palomalus he was a hard hitter I mean he wasn't running a lot but he was a hitter He he would lay you out and I mean you know, he did his thing with that defense, and they played together for a long time. I listened to uh, Derek Brooks was on, I think, it was Jim Rohn's podcast, and you know the continuity they had, and they were all, you know, you don't see that anymore with you know everybody moving around for agency. Uh, he he definitely made some plays. He just ain't as high on our list. And I, look, this is gonna sound terrible. I'm gonna pull his stats up now. This is gonna sound terrible, but the first. <laughs> first highlight or actually low light in his case and there's no 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 shame in it but the first highlight I, low light I think of is when they're in those uh, cream simple uniforms playing the Lions he comes up to meet Barry Sanders in the hole and, and doesn't touch him now that Tampa Bay had a good defense nobody touched Barry on that run but John Lynch was the last guy that had a shot at Barry, and it was just one of them nasty, ooh, you know, jock strap, helmet, cleats all on the field. And, and that's the first point I think. Right, and that's the point I'm making is Troy Polamalu for Pittsburgh, he could go, he was intercepting the ball, but he would meet dudes at the hole. 
like you know short yardage he would come over the top and 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 meet the and and, and again I hate to dunk on John Lynch because he seems to be a great guy I think as a GM he's done a pretty good job in San Francisco but it's my Hall of Fame is and, and it's hard to do because again offensive linemen it's kind of hard to point out but are these dudes that you talked about with your friends after the game and I just don't feel that John Lynch was like hey man you see what John Lynch did like I don't versus man did you see did you see Ed Reed you know did you did you see uh, uh, what Troy Polamalu did like I, I don't I don't know and and I don't want to be because I think the halls of fame for all the sports they're a little janky anyway you know I rail about the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame all the time uh, but the NFL you know I think some dudes are getting in that you know do they do they are they Hall of Fame worthy and that's why you know I'm not gonna go through my whole hierarchy of Hall of Famers right I, I think when you look at Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Brady's going to be sitting by himself. He's going to be at the head of the table. Right? And to his right is going to be Joe Montana. <laughs> right? You know. And then it's everybody else. Whereas in a few years, you know, Eli Manning is going to be sitting next to the kitchen. You know, I, I just because at no point other than those playoff <laughs> runs did anybody ever say to me, did you see what Eli did? I, that never happened. So, again, again, I need to move on. I don't want to dump on John Lynch, but so, in, yeah, look, I mean, he had twenty six interceptions. Lynch, probably, you know, solid tackler, known more for his hitting and tackling than his coverage. Played from ninety three to oh seven. Looks like. And if I'm, I'm really having a double take, and I'm sure you already got these stats in your head. Ronnie Lott, known for his hitting and his tackling. Ronnie Lott, see, that's the thing. Is wow, dang the the San Francisco offense under oh. Bill Walsh overshadowed defense. God. Even during uh, that that '94 season, well, it, you know when you got Steve Young and Jerry Rice. You know, when Ricky Waters doing his thing, you're going to get overlooked a little bit. But the defense has always been stuck. And, and a lot of people, I'm glad you brought that up. Ronnie Lott, everybody's like, oh, he just he just hit people. No. Dude, dude was five, fantastic five in coverage. Interceptions yes. 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 And, and, you know, keep it on the down low. The first two Super Bowl wins for the Niners were more defense than offense. The the one against Cincinnati was a defensive, and the second one yeah. against uh, uh, the Dolphins and Dan Marino. The defense shut them down. And this that that was Marino's. That, that was that yeah, was his best statistical season, points. and yeah. they they absolutely shut Marino down. So the, the San Francisco defense doesn't get as much pub as it probably should during those early days.
because what would happen, the defense kind of keep it close. The offense was, you know, and then Joe Montana would do something spectacular. And like we always love to do, you know, the quarterback, look at that guy. And, you know, <laughs> you know, not to not to dig the knife too deep, but go back and look at yeah. look at the catch. Everyone remembers the catch, right? No one remembers it wasn't the end of the game. The Cowboys got the ball back with like a minute or so on the clock. Like, you know, it, it, that the catch was not a last second play. And I didn't realize that until fairly recently, uh-huh. you know, the last decade or so. I always assumed that the play, because, you know, it was back in the day when they didn't have the, the score and the clock on the thing. I assumed it was a last second play. I always assumed. That's what I assumed. Yeah. Or there was like a few seconds a left. Welcome. I always, yeah. I don't know yeah, why. I, I just always thought that. And then I think NFL Network or somebody showed the game, and I was like, I like, you know, let me like we talked about watching these old games. Let me see how we got to that point, right? Let me see how we kind of got here. And you know, the the catch happens, and I'm like, there's still time. And Dallas started driving the ball, like they got close to midfield, like. So yeah, uh, but who I'm trying to see who else who else got in the um, okay Peyton Peyton got in Bill Nunn as a contributor as a scout um, you know I, he was a he, uh, a scout for the Steelers from '16 to 2014 yeah uh, you know if you have if you're helping the Steelers from the '70s. And then the '90s, through Ben Roethlisberger, obviously you know what you're doing, <laughs> right? If if you are helping them point out everybody from Mean Joe Green yeah. and, and Terry Bradshaw, all the way to drafting Antonio Brown, okay, okay, you might, you, okay, yeah, you you deserve to get. And the crazy yeah. thing is, uh-huh. if COVID is 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 down by then, is it, if it's down, if it's, the Steeler fans will show up. Steelers fans and Cowboy fans, you know, when I went to the Hall of Fame 11 years ago at this point, it's hard to believe, but that, that, that sit next to a, a guy and his son and they live close. He's like, man, Cowboys and Steelers. And it's not close. Like it's, it's, he's like, you, you can, he's like, you can tell when uh, a Steelers or Cowboys player coach or whoever goes in because people just show up because Dick LeBeau you know the longtime defensive coordinator for the Steelers went in as a player for the Lions the same year that that that, that Jerry and Emmett went in and you know for you know for some of these old time players there's not that big of a cheer right they're just they're just is but you know they said Dick LeBeau and there was a and I was like what in the world? And the Steelers players were there. There were fans in Steelers gear. Because I was like, there's no Steeler going in. I said to Ralph, I was like, what's going on here? But Cowboys and Steelers, man, they they, they show up. They show up. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, and speaking of Cowboys, Drew Pearson. Yes, Absol- absolutely. You know, deservedly so. Uh, is, that, is that that's weird, right? Really, eighty-eight. Yeah, to have two. Even, 
you have two Michael Hall of Earth. Famers with the same. That's that's a little Brown. strange, though, right? I always thought about that because did they did Pearson did his number not get? Because Dallas retires numbers, don't they? They got they got the Ring of Honor. Uh, I, let me see, because like Bob Lilly or somebody, there's somebody wearing number seventy four right now. Let me because you had it's like I don't know if it's like a legacy thing because Drew wore it back when you know back in my dad's day when they was playing the seventies and then it was you know Michael and Dez. And now C D Lamb had it. So it's it's kind of just you know passed on down through the years like that. Let me see. Not sure if they do that. It's like Bob Lilly was the first draft pick. If anybody's number's gonna retire, it's gonna be his. Roger Staubach. They might just do the Ring of Honor, which is still inaccurate because Jimmy Johnson ain't on there yet. But that's that's a different conversation, Jerry, for a different day. Because we're just being petty for no reason. Well, that's the only reason that's uh, looking up the 49ers. There's an actual article. I, I, uh, there's <laughs> they've got too many retired numbers because it's it's, it's difficult to. Uh, 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 they've reti- the 49ers have retired 12. Steve Young's eight, John Brody's 12, of course, Broadway Joe's 16, Joe Perry's 34, Jimmy Johnson, not your coach, Jimmy Johnson's 37, Hugh McElhaney's 39, of course, Roddy Lott's 42, Charlie Kruger's 70, Leo Nominelli, I've not heard that name before, 73, uh, Bob St. Clair's 79, and of course, of course, Jerry Rice is number 80, is retired, and Dwight Clark's 87. <laughs> really? We do not retire numbers. Uh, only extensive list of Hall of Famers and Ring of Honor players are listed in the Cowboys book. Uh, this article was, let's see, April of last year because there's, there's you know because Drew it should have you know if they did Drew Pearson's 88 would have never got to Michael Irvin um, and C.D. Lamb has it now after Des Bryant had it so this guy sent an email to the PR director Rich Dalrymple why haven't they retired 88 or any number he said it's complicated uh, the pandemic gives me time to give a good informative answer Drew Pearson is the original 88. Michael Irvin next. Des Bryant, like we talked about. For the record, the Cowboys are one of the few, if only, NFL teams that have never officially retired a jersey number. Uh, for the record, nearly all the information you see here comes from uh, Dal Rimple. That's the PR guy. I owe him a, I owe him a six pack for writing this column. So the dude basically just transcribed what Dal Rimple told him. You will not be able to find any record of a number being officially retired by the club. We don't have a retired numbers page in our media guide. Uh, only extensive list, only the extensive list of Hall of Famers and Ring of Honor players are listed in the Cowboys book. So Cowboys Hall of Famers and stuff. There are a few numbers that haven't been issued since they have been worn by prominent players in franchise history. Uh, 
Tech Shrill's vision was to have the Ring of Honor instead of having a whole bunch of retired jerseys. So, okay. So that's that's why you wind up with great players that have the same number. Yeah, Chuck Halley wore number 54, just like Randy White. Bob, and yeah, Bill and Bob Hayes wore 22 before Emmett. Uh, Charles Haley wore number 94, as did DeMarcus Ware. Um, now, the numbers that you don't see anymore are number 8, number 12, number 22, and number 74. Troy Aikman, Roger Staubach, Emmett Smith, and Bob Lilly. The reason that you continue to see 88 is because of jersey number restrictions that were put in place at some point in the early 80s. Basically, all receivers and tight ends numbers had to be 80 to 89. Yes. So that's why 88 yeah. is like the exception to the rule. And, and, you, and you run into that particularly so, when you look at uh, you know, college basketball is really random. I know Kentucky, we could not, we could not retire numbers in Kentucky. Like you, you, you couldn't, uh, because you know you 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 look mm, at because yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's um, if you go to like BigBlueHistory.net you can look at by the numbers, right? And that's why I think I had this tweet that got a lot of traction some years ago. Like, what are your top five numbers in Kentucky basketball? You know, twenty four. You know, Mashburn, Antoine Walker, right? Like, you know, I mean, you know, you, you know, 30, 32, who's your 32, right? There's, there's all these, these, these numbers. And, uh, if you retired actual numbers, you couldn't do it. Although, and, and this might be sketchy a little bit, uh, I think there should be some numbers that are off limits. Like, I think North Carolina finally made 23 off limits. Uh, Louisville has Daryl Griffith, mm-hmm. Wes Unseld, Purvis Ellison. Those numbers are off limits. Um, anyway, anyway, I know we're gonna wrap up and finish. Uh, you know, finish watching the uh, uh, the second. You know, I have not been paying that much of attention, but the cat's up by twelve. I take it. I know it's just Vanderbilt, but I take it at this point. Like I said the other night, we can't hold our nose. Yeah. Uh, because, but you know, and I know we still got 20 more minutes to go, but I just wanted to get no. a W. <laughs> so, uh, win, you know, take Tennessee, win tonight, win on Saturday, and, and, and they'll get me back to my nervous spot of watching Selection Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> And right on cue, Corey Price says that Kentucky is 19-0 all-time against Vanderbilt at Memorial Gymnasium when they lead by at least 10 points at halftime. So they have led by 10 19 times. It, you you wouldn't think it'd be that many times. As many quirky, funky games as we've had down there, they've had double-digit leads 19 times in Memorial Gym and have won every single time. So hopefully that... Yeah, man. Great show. We'll we'll do it again. Always fun. Yeah, yeah. Stay safe and warm, especially with all the state getting that ice. So far, it's just been a lot of, looks like the 0.1% has just been getting a lot of rain. It's really, really, really cold right now, but no snow. Boom. Hanging in. You know, it's a few more weeks of this still. Potentially, till springtime hits, and 
different hearts and what everybody in Texas where it's, it's just like you said like we talked about they're not even equipped to handle it but y'all stay safe and stay warm as well since it's hit Kentucky pretty hard too absolutely we will y'all do the same now absolutely appreciate you TV appreciate everybody checking this out when it drops check us out on BS3 Radio wherever you get your podcast too on Spotify we're there now uh, hadn't been there before Spreaker and all these other platforms and we got some good guests coming and got some good stuff coming this coming summer as well we, we got some stuff in the works that y'all are going to enjoy so take care everybody absolutely Thank you.